chapel. Children, you are dismissed to head down to Children's Chapel. What a wonderful message. Oh, glorious day. What a glorious day that was when he rose from the grave, victorious over death. Hallelujah. If you would, please turn in your Bible to Psalm chapter 84. Psalm chapter 84, verses 1 through 12. The Lord had convicted my heart here, probably the beginning of the week, to talk about being a doorkeeper, a tent dweller. And I said, what in the world is a doorkeeper, Lord? So I did some study on a doorkeeper and a tent dweller and all that kind of stuff. Really never came out with what it was all about. But I knew the verse was important. Better is one day in your courts than the thousand days without him. We all know this song. And I love that song. We don't sing it much here. But it really has its significance. And we actually get it from verse 10 out of Psalm 84. Listen closely. Dear Pastor, you often stress attendance at worship as being very important for a Christian, but I think a person has a right to miss now and then. I think every person ought to be excused for the following reasons and the number of times indicated. You can add if you'd like. Just Christmas holidays, this Sunday before and the Sunday after. At least that's two Sundays. New Year's, the party lasted too long, so that's one Sunday we won't be able to make it. How about Easter? Get away for the holidays. I, that's pretty good. That's two Sundays. July 4th, national holidays. That's one. Labor Day, need to get away. That's two. Memorial Day, visit hometown folks. That's one. School closing, kids need a break. That's one. School reopens, one last fling that we're going to have over the summer. That's a Sunday we must miss. Family reunions, mine and my wife's. So I've decided to include three Sundays that will be excused so that I won't be able to make it. How about this? Sleep late because I stayed up too long on Saturday night. I'll go ahead. That's at least nine excusable absences for the church. Deaths in the family. That's two Sundays. Anniversary. You know, that's like a second honeymoon. We need to get away. That's one Sunday. Sickness. One per family member. So that would be five. And business trip. That's a must. So that's one. Vacation. Three to four weeks. You know, that's six Sundays we'll be missing. How about this? Bad weather, ice, snow, rain, clouds, or maybe even ball games. You know, so that's two each. Races, two. Unexpected company. You know, Pastor, I can't walk out. So that's at least two excusable absences. Time changes, spring and fall. That's two. Special on TV. The Super Bowl. Okay, so, Pastor, that's two excused or actually three excused. So he says, Pastor, that leaves two Sundays per year. So you can count on us to be in church on the fourth Sunday in February and the third Sunday in August unless we are hindered. Sincerely, your faithful member. <laughs> this letter really does illustrate a point. Some people will make any and every excuse why they cannot come to church. The reasons for these reasons and for dozens of others are being employed on a regular basis in every church. Some people do not like to go to church. They say it's boring. The songs are unfamiliar. The preacher's sermons are dull and uninspiring. And the prayers are meaningless and irrelevant. And then they say, and the people just aren't that friendly. On the other hand, there are those who do enjoy coming to church. To them, church is exciting. 
They say this, I love going to church because the church songs are uplifting. The sermons are inspiring. The prayers bring us closer to God. And the people are friendly and inviting. So church, what is the difference? The difference is their motivation for coming to church. We come to church to be in the presence of God. Why? We come to meet God. We don't come because of the preacher or the music or the people. We come to meet with God. If you will get the motivation right, I guarantee that you will enjoy coming to church. Let's read together in Psalms 84. How amiable or how lovely are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord, and my heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be still praising thee. Selah. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee and whose heart are the ways of them. Who passing through the valley of Baca or the valley of weeping make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield, and the Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will be withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. Blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. You see, the reason some have little desire for God's house on Sunday is because they had had little desire for God throughout the week. Do you hear what I'm saying? The reason some have little desire for God's house on Sunday is because they have had little desire for God throughout the week. Let us pray. Father, we come to you today, Lord, to honor your holiness. And Father, we thank you for this pilgrimage that this psalmist wrote. That, Lord, we can break down such few little simple verses, but yet they can resonate in our heart, and, Lord, that our mind can be refocused back on You. And so, Father, we're thankful for that glorious day that You came and You died for us. Father, we're thankful that when we go through the valleys, the time of weeping, The valley of the shadow of death, Father, we realize we'll not fear no evil for You're with us. Your rod, Your staff, they comfort us. And this morning, Father, may I be able to express and explain Your Word with clarity so that, Father, we can understand what the psalmist had to say. 
Lord, may we remember to desire you and that our decisions should declare how holy you are. Father, help us to be focused on thee today. In your name we pray. Amen. We come to church distracted. We come to church confused. We come to church, as I said last week, with baggage. We come to church with trash. We come to church with our mind in places that they shouldn't be. Reminding of us, reminding us of our debt. Reminding us of those bills. Reminding us of the burdens or the obligations that we have. But we don't come to church to focus on Almighty God. Say this with me in all reverence. I want you to say this. Holy God. Let's say that together. Holy God. Isn't that amazing? When we come to church, we should in this hour and a half of praise and worship and Him being our sole focus and purpose, we should realize how holy He is. As I sat in my study last evening, I reflected on this verse and I bowed my head to pray. And as I did, I said, God, sometimes I don't understand what the psalmist is writing. And often, I'm a New Testament preacher. I love New Testament. I'll refer to Old Testament stories. But I am a New Testament preacher. But I, I felt so compelled this week to talk about, wait a minute, to have one day in your courts is better than a thousand days without you. That's amazing. I said, Father, I want to preach a message that will acknowledge who you are, that will be a representation of your holiness and, Lord, how we can come to you and what, the, what the, the pilgrim had to say as he was going into the Holy of Holies, as he was coming to your presence. As I was praying, it's awesome because you can feel the presence of Almighty God. And would you stop and realize how awesome God is, you'll start to take more time with Him and for Him. Are you doing that? Where are we at? What are we doing? Are we engaged in meditation? Are we engaged in our prayer life? Are we worshiping Him? Are we praising His name on a daily basis? Does He know us by name? Three points to this morning's message. The desire of the psalmist, the declaration of the psalmist, the decision of the psalmist. So you ask, Pastor, what's the difference between a doorkeeper and a tent dweller? Well, a person guarding access to an important or restricted place... In the temple, a doorkeeper was an important office in biblical times. The doorkeepers collected money from the people. Some Levites were designated doorkeepers or gatekeepers for the ark. 
First Chronicles 15.23. The Persian kings used eunuchs for doorkeepers in Esther 2.21. Women also serve this function in John 18, Acts 12, verse 13. The Hebrew word underlying the translation doorkeeper in Psalm 84.10 appears only once in the Old Testament. The root idea is threshold. Thus, some translations render the word by at the threshold or some similar expression. The reference is those waiting outside the temple either to beg alms or to seek admission. The thought of the verse is that it is better to be standing outside the temple than to be inside the tents of the wicked. So I thought I'd find out, well, tent dweller. What's a tent dweller? We realize the tent dwellers, people lived in tents. That's what they did. That was their, that was their home. And we realize that many humans have lived in tents since ancient times, apparently beginning with Jabal, who was the father of those who dwell in tents in Genesis 4. Ancient tents were often made at least in part of animal skins, as was the tabernacle in the wilderness. But here's the thought that moved me. After the exodus, the Israelites lived in tents during the wilderness journey before entry into the promised land. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. The Israelites were wandering last night. And I hope this doesn't distract you, but last night I thought, I have a great song. I'll walk up to the pulpit and I'll play, Well, I'm a wanderer, yeah, wanderer. And I go round and round. And I started listening to the song and I'm like, uh, no, that's not the song that's fitting for this. Because here's what it said. I got Mary on my right hand flowing. And I was like, wow. I didn't realize I had to really listen to that song that he was a wanderer, all right. (laughs) He was living a life of sin. Well, I knew I needed to preach the message because this morning as those were coming in for discipleship class, I said, what are you doing, Brother Ron? He said, I'm a wanderer. Well, a wanderer. And I looked at him and I said, you're not going to believe this. I just Googled that at 12 o'clock last night. And then I realized... You shouldn't be singing that song, Brother Ron. And <laughs> so it was just funny. I said, thank you, Lord. There's always confirmation for your word. And, uh, but here's what happened. They were wandering. They were all over the place. They lost perspective. The reason why the children of Israel traveled and traveled and traveled was because they lost perspective. And so they had to live in tents for how many years? Forty. Thank you. So they were wanderers. So here's what he said. I'd rather have one day with God than to live in sin for a thousand days, a thousand years, 40 years, one hour. So we realize that for myself and for some of you men that are the doorkeeper of this church, I'd much rather be a doorkeeper knowing what my responsibility is than to be a tent dweller living in sin. Roaming around without a purpose, without a cause, not realizing who God is. Wow. All from 12 small verses? So here's what we learn. Putting aside the differences when the psalm desires for us to see, he says this, and we'll notice it, it says, to be in God's house. Literally, the psalm said that he would rather be in God's house than anywhere else He could be. In contemporary terms, he would rather have been at church than at Disney. 
Some of you are going, I don't know, preacher. At the golf course, watching TV, at St. Mattress, or the church on the beach. I had to throw those in there. He desired to be in God's house because he... Let me move my page here. He desired, desired to be in God's presence. Look at verse 1. Here's what he said. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. Write in your Bible, because we don't use the word amiable. I would like to look at my wife and say, how amiable you are. She'd look at me and go, really? What are you trying to say? The word amiable means lovely. So how lovely is the church? When you walk in here today, is there a sense of, "Ah, this is refreshing. I just love being in the house of God. You already anticipate, you know what's going to take place. One, we're going to pray. Two, we're going to worship God. Three, we're going to open up God's holy word. We're going to read from it. And then we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us. Now that's going into the tabernacle. So, you see, the psalmist didn't yearn after the building or the church. He yearned for the Lord. God's house represented the place where he could go to meet with God. Second, he desired with his whole person. It says in verse 2, My soul longeth. The psalmist sought the presence of God with his body with his soul and with his spirit. He put everything he had and all that he was into seeking and experiencing God. I don't know where my water's at. And uh, thank you. Oh, here it is, right here. Thank you, wife. I appreciate it. Got it. Thank you, Junior. This spring, have you guys been dealing with sinuses and allergies? They have been worse for me this year than they have been in probably 15 years. And uh, so I'd like to thank the Lord right now for this water by Walmart or Members Mark, wherever that came from, Sam's Club. Lord, you're good to us. We appreciate it. Here's what I want to ask you. Here's the question. Are you enjoying church? If not, what have you put into it? To enjoy. What have you done to make the worship experience meaningful? When the praise team attempts to lead us in meaningful worship, do you participate? When we stand or read the Word of God, do you stand with your feet and not with your heart? When the offering plate is passed, do you worship God with your tithes and offerings, or do you just tip Him as the plate goes by? When there's something to do, do you jump in and do it? Or do you expect someone else to? Why do you come to church? Do you come to meet with God as the psalmist did? If you will get your motivation right, you will enjoy coming to church just as the psalmist did. Church, we are not here this morning to impress or be impressed. We are here to meet with God. And I know He is here because He has promised that He would be in the midst. Wow. Well, preacher, I think this is a great time. Thank you, Lord. I think I will say something. 
If you have a problem going to the bathroom, I understand that. But listen, you have 30 minutes, maybe 45. You have handshaking time. Run to the bathroom. We don't get up. We don't get down. This ain't the football game. It ain't cheering. Okay? We are here to reverence and to not be a distraction for those that are around us. And I understand for some that have to go to the bathroom, if you do have to go to the bathroom and you have uh, you know, medical issues or what, I understand that. Maybe sit towards the back. But if God's here and he starts to work, we sure don't need this. Because guess what just happened? We lost our focus. We lost our perspective. We lost where we're at in the message. And I know something for sure, that the pastor does a lot of praying to make sure that you hear God on Sunday morning. See, it's not Todd's Word. It's God's Word. And I know today I'm speaking on the church and what our reference is here. But if you will seek God with your whole person, you will walk away from the services with a fresh encounter from who? From God. Not only that, if you will seek God in that fashion, you will not be able to stay away from the church house when God's people are meeting with Him. Right? There will be an anticipation and an excitement when you get the opportunity to come and meet God. Let me tell you something. And I, with an amen, did you fill the presence of God with glorious day up here in sign language? Amen. That was moving. Thank you, Hillary. Thanks to each and every one of you who participated. You know why? Because you don't know sign language. But you took something and you presented a message. So you had to think about really what you were singing, saying, and doing. That's your pastor. That's what I have to do up here. And you were doing it all in motions. We all have to. We need to make sure that when we come to church, that we come to seek Him. He desired to be in God's presence. He desired with His whole person. And thirdly, He desired with a strong passion. Verse 3 enforces this, Yea, the spirit hath found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even thy altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be still praising thee, Selah. He had watched the birds of the air find refuge in the temple. He had seen them build their nests at the altar. He wanted to pursue God like the birds of the air had. He was like the solemnist David who said, as the heart, and H-A-R-T actually means interpreted deer. So as the deer longeth or pat panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth, thirsteth, for God, I'm going to spit it out here today. For the living God, when shall I come and appear before God? Psalm 42. True worship involves a pursuit in God. You came here to pursue Him. You came here to get to know Him. 
We may have heard, seen this morning, or sung some beautiful songs. We may have heard some wonderful prayers. We may have given our gifts, but we have not worshipped until we have met with God. When we come to church in pursuit of God, our souls will be filled when we meet with Him. And all God's church says, glory. glory. Great participation. A pastor told of a telephone message wherein a member called on Saturday night to remind him that his entire family was coming to church. And because they were coming, he asked the pastor to honor their father and mother for their 50th wedding anniversary the next morning. And again, the pastor, before they hung up, he was reminded again, please make sure that you recognize my family. When the pastor hung up the phone... He felt sick. His stomach kind of did a flop. You see, he was expected to honor their father in that service that morning. And you see, that's not terribly wrong. I want you to understand that. But the reality is that that is not why we come to church. We come to honor our Heavenly Father. Very little of that takes place in the church today. Isn't it true we're so busy being busy? No wonder the Bible says don't be a busybody. Because we are. We're busy being busy. Please notice, secondly, the declaration of the psalmist. It says in verse 5 and 7, it was a strength rendered. It says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, and whose heart are the ways of them. Verse 7 says, They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth. Before God. There is something about being in God's presence. And in His house that will strengthen you as a Christian. The more you come and desire to come, the stronger, stronger you will become. The more you stay away and desire to stay away, the weaker you will become. And you see, there is nothing mystical or magical about that. It's just the plain truth. Well, Pastor, is there a reason why Billy Bob and Mary Sue hasn't been in church for about five and a half years? I don't have a clue because I'm not dwelling in a tent with them. I love this one. Ready? Pastor. Yes? What? Did you know? No. I haven't seen that person in like nine months. What happened to them? Well, do you really want me to tell you? I don't know because I really love them. Uh, then why'd you ask me? Well, because I was kind of concerned for them. Well, have you called them? Have you sent them a card? Have you tried visiting them? Not really. I thought that was your job. I didn't see that in the scriptures, just saying. And here's what ends up happening. We, we've lost our focus. 
we're supposed to come to declare that we're meeting with God. Ready, church? Here's what needs to be said. Why don't you tell them to get their heart right with God and get back in church? Ah, oh, that made me feel good. We don't want to say that. Yeah, I saw him in Walmart. And the reason why I put St. Mattress because that's what I've heard. Well, are you going to church? I'm not. I understand New Hope may not be for everybody. But let me explain something to you. Get involved somewhere. We're a community of believers. Get involved. Be challenged in God's Word. Come to church. Sit in the pew and close your eyes and worship Him and He'll love you. That's what He wants from you. He wants you to come to church to stay focused on Him. If you spend time with the Lord, you'll start to notice that will strengthen your inner spiritual man. Try being faithful to the Lord and the church and see if you don't strengthen the inner man as well. Because it works. I had somebody tell me one time, well, you know, it's just much easier for me with my schedule just to stay at home. Really? Okay. Are you really sure that's working for you? I love this too. Well, Pastor, I've worked so many hours that I know I'm really tired and I can't make it, but there is one thing. I had to stay home and mow the lawn and weed whip. And I understand and I respect everybody that works hard. I, I really do. I appreciate that. I think a, a lot of people in this church work very, very hard to provide for their families. But then I love the next question that I get to ask. Ready? So, did you get an opportunity to mow that lawn? No, you're not going to believe what happened. I never did mow the lawn. Matter of fact, I should have just came to church. <laughs> Round of applause. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking. Because here's, I have heard that. Here at New Hope Christian Fellowship, I have heard people tell me, yeah, I should have just went to church. How about be here? It's great. Do you know I get excited as soon as I round that corner? I always say, thank you, Father, that today I get to spend a couple hours with you being my focus. Not a text message, not an iPad, not an iPhone, not an eyeball, not a nothing. I just get to come to church. And then I take my phone and I go, and I throw it down in my briefcase. Today I throw it on my, threw it on my desk downstairs but it's great because there's no distractions i get to look forward and look at the praise team and you guys get to look at me and look at everybody else and so our focus should truly be on christ but when we're when we're weak allow him to strengthen you and to encourage you so we realize one his strength was rendered in verse 6, it says his strength was renewed. Who passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well, the rain also filleth the pools. I wrote this down in, in my Bible last night because I did it. I'm thinking, Baca, what's Baca? Don't you love the Bible? You know why God comes up with some really cool words, Victoria? You know why he does that? Because he does that so that we'll study his word deeper. So that we'll understand 
his word. Baca is actually a bush. But the word baca means weeping. Here was my thought. That as that pilgrim was journeying to see God, he faced circumstances that discouraged him, that disappointed him. And his travels on the way to see God, all of a sudden, he lost hope, sight, vision. Isn't that like us? Listen, your journey's not over. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. Your appointment isn't here yet if you're here breathing, sleeping, dreaming, whatever you're doing right now. If you're looking at me grinning, we're awake. We're here. This is your divine appointment. This is your journey. And I love that verse because here's what it says. If you're walking through your own valley of Baca, today be sure your pilgrimage leads toward God and not away from Him. My wife and I were sitting in our prayer room and she said, have you ever looked back in life and thought, wow, Some of the circumstances of my life, some of the weeping has brought me closer to God. How many of you would say that? Some of our circumstances have brought us to a closer relationship. You know why? I don't know. I have to get behind the the pulpit here. There's authority here. Because you're a tent dweller. You can't be a tent dweller and continue to seek out God. You need to be a doorkeeper busy about His work. Then you experience who He is. See, I desire Him. But how sad that on our way to experience and worship God, I think Sunday mornings are are amazing. Get your shoes on! Grab your coat! Get in the car! We gotta go! We have so much stuff going on that if you make it to church, you come in and you sit down and go, Oh, thank God I finally made it. Because sometimes you're crying on the way to church. How'd you know? Because you're going, why is it so hard just to get to church? That's what the psalmist was saying. He desired. Our, our strength needs to be rekindled. Let me keep going here. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew. I love that word renew because here's what it says. I quote that verse a lot, but the word renew actually means change. The Lord shall change their strength. Isn't that amazing? They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run. They won't be weary. They won't be tired. They shall walk and not faint. Romans 12, 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Every Sunday and every Wednesday in this church, a one or not, should be revival for this church. Our spirits should be here. They should be renewed. And when we leave the church, because we have been in the presence of God, we have to help lift some other brother or sister up who might need lifting. Just like the psalmist, we have rough journeys to make. All week long, we pass through the valleys of Baca. We are battered by the world, by the busyness, by disease, by financial hardship, by our frailties and sins and family problems. We come to church laden with burdens of the week and find it difficult to participate in worship. We bring in too much extra baggage. 
Pastor, go back to last week. So what can we learn from baggage? Experienced travelers learn how to pack light because they know that the lighter you pack, the less you have to keep up with and more you enjoy the journey experience. Friends, you need to pack light when you come to church. Drop the weights of the world and worry at the doors of the church. Leave them at home or outside. Just bring the essentials. An eager heart, a willing mind, a joyful spirit, and the Word of God. Isn't that awesome? Do you know that I start on Saturday evening being in prayer and meditation just to come to church on Sunday? And if you've been distracted and you said, you know what, tomorrow's church, start getting it in your mind. This, this whole church would have revival. This place would be filled. We'd have people standing. Why? Because you set your heart, your mind, and your will on Him. The Solomon said that those who dwell in God's house will have strength rendered to them, will have their spirit renewed. And thirdly, they will have their supplication rewarded. Supplication means prayer. Do you know what supplication actually means in the Word? To be on your knees in prayer. And here's what the psalmist said in verse 8. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. Call me old-fashioned. Call me whatever you want. Just don't call me late for dinner. But God hears us when we pray. And He will answer our prayers if our hearts are right with Him. The closer we'll get to God, the more obvious the answers to our prayers become. Our Heavenly Father wants each of us to experience the joy of praying. In fact, He has much more for us than we can even realize. I stand in awe. I stand in awe of Him. He has much more for us than we realize. Do you realize that? Do you realize that, church? He has much more for us than we realize. Jeremiah 33 3 says this, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. He says, pick up the phone and call him. He'll show you great and mighty things. Don't leave it up to the pastor, the associate pastor, the deacons, the trustees, the Sunday school directors. Start praying. Start being in prayer. Be active about your relationship with Him. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9-10 through 10 says, But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, but the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. How many of you want to go deep with God? Some of you just want a shallow relationship. No, we want a deep relationship. Hey, I have seen God so real. It is, it's amazing to me. It's just awesome to see the power of Almighty God. And I have seen my prayer rewarded. Because you know what? I got on my knees and I went before God Almighty and I put out my petition, my request for Him. And guess what He did? 
He answered it. Because he heard my cry. When was the last time you got on your knees? Or do you have so many blind spots, obstacles, bacas, bushes, trees in your way that you just can't see God for who He is? We realize sight radiated, security raised, and satisfaction was realized. Here's what's going on in verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. That walk uprightly, what's that mean? If you walk in the ways of the Lord, if you're a man of character, he will bless you. Not only is the Lord like sun guiding us along the way, revealing himself and his will to us, he's also like a shield that is raised to protect us. He's above us to give us what we need and around us to protect us on our journey through life. I love what it says in the latter part there in verse 11. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from that that walks uprightly. Listen. One, grace while we travel. Help for today. Two, he said, glory when we arrive. That's hope for tomorrow. And then third, he says, goodness all along the way. The desire of the psalmist to be in the house of the Lord, the declaration of the psalmist, strengthened, rendered, spirit renewed, supplication rewarded, sight radiated, security raised, and satisfaction was realized. And one more observation this morning, and I will close. The decision of the psalmist, verse 10. For a day in, the, in thy courts is better than a thousand I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Notice this. The psalmist made a choice concerning two things. Notice that he said it is better. You could circle that. There are many choices we will have to make. Some of them good choices and some of them are better choices. Life is that way. Most of us don't need help making choices between good and bad, but we do need help in making choices between good and better or good and best. We need his help. We need his strength and we need his encouragement. The psalmist made the decision concerning this. He said two things, the most excellent use of time and the most excellent place to be. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. Think about it. The psalmist is saying that he would rather spend one day in God's presence than 1,000 days in his absence. He enjoys being in God's presence and having God in his. He enjoys being in God's presence and having God in his. And then he realized this, the most excellent place to be. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Literally, here's what he said. I'd rather just sit at the threshold and look in the church than to run in the circles of the wicked. And as I conclude, are you happy? Are you happy dwelling in the house of the Lord? 
Are you having a meaningful, worshipful experience? Do you get excited about coming to the Lord's house on the Lord's day? Or is it drudgery to you? Are you miserable? And if you are, you need to search your soul. Do you have to come to church? Or do you get to come to church? Which is it this morning? The reason some have little desire for God's house on Sunday is because they have had little desire for God throughout the week. The reason some have little desire for God's house on Sunday is because they've had little desire for God throughout the week. Is that your problem? Is that your problem? Are you happy to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord? Or would you rather dwell in the tents of the wicked? Church, I ask you this morning, are you a doorkeeper? Or are you a tent dweller? Ask yourself that question. And learn from the psalmist that he said, I don't care if it's a thousand days with those evil people wandering in the wilderness. I would much rather spend one day in the courts with God. And I want to ask you this question because the Lord just prompted this in my heart. I don't know how old you are. I don't know how long that you've known Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Has the new car smell wore off? Has the newness of the community of believers wore off to you? Or are you just going through the motions? Because you don't come to church for talk. You come to church for God. And I hope that you can do some self-examination and reflection of your own life. That as the psalmist said, I come with a heart desiring for relationship with you God today he is here with us do you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior if you were to die today does he know that you spent a day in his courts maybe it's been a thousand days I don't know but he does will you give your heart and your life to him today putting aside all the junk in your trunk focus on him let's be a doorkeeper amen let's all stand as we pray father we come to you today lord grateful for your word father we're grateful that we can come to you with a heart of thanksgiving with a heart that is focused and centered on you 
Lord, today we sang songs that said, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. And then we realized that you've made us glad. And then we lifted our holy hands to say, Father God, how great you are. And then we spoke with our lips and hopefully with our hearts and said, Father, you are wonderful and you are merciful. You are my Savior. And you are holy, holy, holy. And it's by your amazing grace that my chains are gone. It's by your grace that I'm free. Father, there's some in this room that have been in the valley of weeping. Lord, and I want to know know that in my heart and in theirs that they're trusting in you. Father, this morning, I uplift Brother Cliff. And I know his desire to be in your house. May he sense a touch from you today. And Lord, I thank you for many others that could not make it today. For Father, now they realize the importance of one day in your presence versus a thousand days in the world. Father, may we experience your grace today. And if there's someone here that don't know you, may they come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. In your name I pray. Amen.